It's Making Money, the show with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, the retired portfolio manager from four decades. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. Ron and I have known each other for most of those four decades. We're both passionate about investing, and we're trying to help people out with a little bit of knowledge, maybe a little bit more knowledge than you had of a certain part of the market, or if you're a new investor, try to get you on the right path. And I said to you prior to going on the air today, Ron, this is one that I completely ignored. When you when you sent me the outline, industrial gases, I went, what's he talking about? But you, you called it a stealth sector, and indeed, that's exactly what it is. Last time you were at a party with a cocktail in your left hand and you were talking about industrial or investing, I'm sure the topic of uh, companies that manufacture industrial gases never came up. You know, uh, cannabis companies, tech stocks, uh, companies that manufacture electric cars, uh, ESG compliant companies, they are all a talk. But these are very profitable companies. And uh, they don't, they all appear underneath the, the radar for most investors. Okay, so what, what are we talking about? Are there different types of industrial gases? Obviously, there are. And I said, some, a phone ringing in the background. We'll get that taken care of. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of different types of industrial gases. There's nitrogen, there's oxygen, carbon dioxide, hydrogen, helium, argon, ammonia, methane, propane, butane, and many others. So uh, this isn't just... Uh, one type of gas. There's all kinds of gases that are used in the industrial processes to keep our modern world uh, functioning. And so where, I, I guess the list is long, like I'm thinking, like refrigeration units have something in them, right? They, as a coolant, as an example, right? Exactly. Welding, agriculture, you need, especially if you're making fertilizers, chemical processing, refining fossil fuels. Uh, they use it, um, especially making chips and things like that. You've got, you've got to have very, very pure air. Uh, metal manufacturing, medical uses. You look at all the medical gases. Oh, yeah. As I, I think of the happy nose, as my dentist used to call it. When <laughs> give you nitrous oxide, right? <laughs> yeah. So, and as a fuel, and there's many other end users. I mean, we could sit down... And I've gone through and looked at, and, and we could spend the next half an hour talking about all the different ways industrial gases are used. And Gord, this is a big market. Last year, there was a hundred billion U.S. in global sales of industrial gases, and this sector is expected to grow at a compound annual rate of seven and a half percent, especially with the renewables coming on. Gases are going to be even in more demand. So we're going to see a compound annual growth rate of between uh, 7 and 8% over the next eight years. So uh, this is an area that people aren't paying attention to, but especially with the growth of technology, uh, these products are used and used in so many different areas. And it's one of those stealth sectors that uh, people need to be keeping their eyes on. Okay, so let's talk. I, I would think so. Parts of the developing world, uh, Asia, parts of Asia, parts of India, there's going to be increased usage, I would think, in those particular areas, right? Because Asia Pacific, China, Thailand, India, Vietnam, uh, South Korea, Japan are industrial powerhouses and manufacturing is growing fastest in these areas. 
this is where we're seeing the real growth drivers come from for the for industrial gas manufacturing is coming from these areas. So as long as Asia continues to grow like it is, and there's no reason to think that that is going to slow down at all, the fundamentals look pretty good for in the industrial gas manufacturers. So large customers need gases such as oxygen and nitrogen, a couple of basic components, really. Yeah, and they build their plants, these manufacturing plants, next to companies that need nitrogen, like like fertilizer manufacturers, for example. And they produce their plants right on the same site or right next door to the plants that are producing these uh, these finished goods. And to do so, they require, before they build a manufacturing plant, that they lock in contracts for 10 to 20 years with built-in price escalators. And so it, it's a business model that produces steady earnings growth. And that's what I like about uh, this industry is that it tends to be particularly consistent. You also pointed out that there are there are only a few really big players in this this sector, and they've kind of made themselves almost untouchable, haven't they? Well, they form an oligopoly. There's only three major players in the sector, and so anytime you have three major players and you're in a business that requires a huge amount of capital to get into and is very expensive and requires uh, a unique understanding of technology uh, to be competitive in the space, uh, we call that a large moat. And that's the kind of companies I like where there's not a lot of competition that can come in and the more competition you get, the more it drives prices down. And the more it drives prices down, often the less profitable the companies are. When you've got three major players and it doesn't look like it's going to grow soon, um, you're looking at an area where they can control prices, they can control profits, and that's good if you own the company. You know, I'm, I'm having a flashback to high school chemistry here when we want to talk about hydrogen. I remember when we made hydrogen in the lab. Everybody, oh boy, look how it burns, right? It is, yeah. it, it's right on the cutting edge right now. We're talking about hydrogen as a fuel to get us around now. You know, hydrogen has some big advantages over traditional renewables like solar and wind. And it's combustible and it can replace fuels like natural gas in factories. Um, it doesn't produce any carbon dioxide. It can be transported and liquefied across oceans. It is also cheaper to store than electricity. I mean, you can compress it and store it in a tank, whereas you need, uh, if you're producing electricity, you need very expensive battery storage. So there's some enormous advantages of, of hydrogen. And um, that's one area that these manufacturers of industrial gases have really been focusing on because uh, this looks like it's going to be one of their big growth drivers here over the next decade. Okay, so what about the downside of this sector? There, there must be some risks here that we have to consider as well. Well, manufacturing process processes do produce CO2. So, I mean, these are manufacturing plants, so you can't whitewash the fact that uh, – they're carbon neutral because they're not. They're cutting down on the amount of carbon that they produce. And frankly, what gives them street cred is they're trying to produce uh, chemicals like ammonia and things like that where uh, you can actually burn them and not produce CO2 and hydrogen, obviously. Uh, they produce gases. Uh, and when they produce these gases, they also create other pollutants, which have to be cleaned up. And these uh, industrial gases uh, tend to be 
sure, you might have a long-term contract with a, with a, a company that produces welding gases, for example. But if uh, construction slows down, welding slows down. So the demand for the gases can go up and down, even though their prices are very, very stable. So it, it does tend to have its, uh, its times where it's cyclical. And, uh, you know, an investor can use those times to, to, to load up on companies when they get a little cheaper. Okay, so you said there's really only the three big players here. Let's take a look at them, tell the folks who they are and, and what they're all about. The three big players in the space are Lind, PLC. They are LIN, it trades in the U.S. They're 25 times earnings, have a yield of 1.4%. And they're a U.K. company actually headquartered in Ireland. And a lot of companies have moved to Ireland because of the low tax rates Ireland charges. And Linda is the biggest producer of industrial gases in the world. The second is an American company called Air Products and Chemicals. APD trades on New York. It's 26 times earnings, yields 2.4%. And the third company is a French name. It trades on the um, NASDAQ exchange, AIQUY. So all three of these trade in the U.S. Uh, Air Liquide is 29 times earnings, has a yield of 2%. And uh, they've been around for, I think they're the longest producing company. Uh, actually, they're not. They, were produced, they founded in 1902. Lind has been around a little longer than they have. So they're the second largest supplier of industrial gases by revenue, and they have operations in 80 countries. So Air Liquide is everywhere. Seen that on trucks before. You know, you might pass one on the road somewhere. Air Liquide. Yeah. 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 And I'd never, I never put it together. Thought, gee, I wonder what they're all about. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you know. And this is a sector that if you're looking for companies that are able to put out pretty consistent earnings, and right now, I mean, at 24 times earnings, 26 times earnings, and 29 times earnings, they're, they're not as cheap as uh, the market is, which is trading at around 20 times earnings. But these are companies that are more consistent. And frankly, if we go into a recession, like so many people think we will happen the second half of the year, uh, some of these companies you want to keep on your watch list because they're the kind of manufacturing company that uh, would make a nice addition to a portfolio. All right. Well, speaking of recession and things of that nature, which, you know, is a sort of doom and gloom scenario, often tied to that is, is a bear market. And uh, we're going to come back and explain what a bear market is and how you want to navigate through one next week. Is there? It's a challenge, isn't it, Ron? It's a challenge, but psychologically, most people, when a bear market comes, they want to sell everything, crawl under their bed, turn the lights out, curl up in a fetal position and suck their thumbs. And that's the last thing you want to do. If you're an investor, especially you like to buy quality at reasonable prices, these are one of the few opportunities you get over the decade where you can actually buy quality companies at good prices. And of course, if you own quality names already, it gives you a chance to buy uh, or add to your positions when they get cheaper. So we're going to be talking about why bear markets, there's no reason you should fear these things. And if you, you have a properly diversified portfolio to begin with, and we're going to be talking about how to take advantage of bear markets to your financial well-being. Back next week with that information. On behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert, I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time around. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. 
Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.